Welcome to the Functional Medicine Radio Show with your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, known internationally as the Functional Medicine Doc. Dr. Carrie is committed to helping patients find the root cause of their health problems and fixing the cause with natural treatments so they can feel normal again. Dr. Carrie is the founder of Functional Medicine Ontario and is the author of the hit book, Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again. Please welcome your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Functional Medicine Radio Show, the only Internet radio show dedicated to giving you real solutions to improve your health. Not only are they real solutions, but they're natural solutions as well, because as you know, the one and only true wealth you have is your health. I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, the Functional Medicine Doc, and I'm committed to helping you find the root cause of your health problem, fix the cause with natural treatments so you can feel normal again and live your life to the fullest. Today's topic is about the well life. How do you structure, sweetness, and space to create balance, happiness, and peace? I'm so very excited about today's show because my special guest is Dr. Peter Borton. Let me tell you a little bit about him. Dr. Peter Borton is a doctor of Asian medicine who helps people attain whole health of body and mind. He has authored hundreds of articles spanning topics such as stress, emotional wellness, nutrition, fitness, and our connection with nature. He is co-author of the new book, The Well Life, How to Use Structure, Sweetness, and Space to Create Balance, Happiness, and Peace. Peter, thank you so much for being my special guest today on this episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show. Thanks for having me, Carrie. So, Peter, I think a good place for us to start would be to just... Tell us about your book and what what a well life is. Well, the book is kind of an outgrowth of my and my wife's practices, which for me, I'm a doctor of acupuncture and oriental medicine, and my wife is a massage therapist and Ayurvedic specialist. And, you know, over the years, we had a lot of patients with routine health problems, but also a lot of people who were essentially well physically and mentally or they became well but we recognized that and they recognized that that wellness really didn't extend to the rest of their lives like they constantly were struggling with finances or relationships or their work didn't feel right and there was an emerging recognition in us that true whole life wellness shouldn't really exclude any sphere of your life that it should mean that you have a healthy relationship with money and there's simply enough of it for your needs and enjoyment and that your work is a reflection of your gifts and your purpose and that there's something in in each facet of your life there's an essential state of balance and we begin to look at how could we bring the elements of uh, these traditional medical systems that we used in uh, our practices um, into uh, an understanding of how to start to to uh, construct a life where every facet of your life is well? So I reg- I totally agree with you and your wife that really true health is about having balance, not just in your health, but really in your whole life. But it's so hard, Peter, it's yeah. so hard to balance, you know, within your work life, within your family life, your other relationships, like you said, your finances, just your own personal me time. Um, what, That's true. What, what would you say are the three key elements of a well life? So we call them these three elements, structure, sweetness, and space. 
And it's uh, for us coming from systems of medicine that are based on the elements of the natural world. Um, we like this idea of uh, elements for a well life that have this kind of interrelationship with each other and they have um, multiple layers of meaning. Okay, so maybe a good place to start is to kind of just talk about the first one, um, structure. So structure is basically the life architecture that you uh, put into place and utilize to make your life work functionally that uh, gets you up in the morning and to work or um, helps you manage your family life or helps you achieve goals. And our message around structure isn't so much that people specifically need more of it. Some people do because they resist structure because maybe they feel like it's going to uh, impede their freedom or spontaneity but at the uh, on the other end of the spectrum you have people who have very rigid overly structured lives and what we really want to see is life structures that are um, efficient and effective but also um, organic and intelligent and forged consciously. And so for a lot of people, their life structures didn't really develop in a conscious way. We sort of figured out how to do things starting in childhood and then through our teenage years. Um, and it wasn't necessarily in the best or most efficient way, but those structures often stayed with us. So we want people to kind of look at their life structures and reevaluate if there are things that aren't exactly to code or if there are elements of their structure that could be airier or more graceful, like a beautiful piece of architecture. So can you give us an, some examples of what you mean by, by applying this principle to your life? Yeah. Um, so if we, if we look at how someone approaches a certain life goal, like they want to be, they want to have, uh, you know, financial abundance and a certain degree of achievement in their career, we encounter people whose structure around making that happen might look like uh, like a shoestring over a canyon or something. Like they have very little support in place. They have a, a very basic plan, but there's there's almost no allowance for you know things not going exactly the way they want. And then we have people who um, whose idea of that plan of that structure is more like a concrete pipe over that canyon where you know maybe they're on a corporate path that is virtually guaranteed to get them there but there's no scenery along the way or enjoyment along the way so what we like to see people do is things like you know what what you might think of as like a beautiful bridge with lots of scenery where um you've developed a plan for bringing your dream life into being that um, allows for lots of enjoyment along the way and the, um, the application of your own gifts and development of who you are along the way too. So, you know, that might look like uh, a, 
a hot air balloon with a big pink unicorn on it for you, getting you the way there that involves uh, bringing all your friends along with you. And, and what I mean by that in practical terms is maybe you're able to develop a community and work situation that engages you with people that you really love and who inspire you or that allows you lots of travel or fun along the way. So now that you've explained structure a little bit more, let's move on and talk about sweetness. What do you mean by that concept? So sweetness is just our term for all of the feel-good, soul-nourishing parts of life, from cooking to eating to hanging out with friends to getting a massage, taking a bath, stretching, yoga, um, and our main message around the sweet stuff is everybody when they're in those moments tends to recognize, ah, oh, this is really like what life is all about. And yet um, we so often see people treating the sweet stuff in life as like an indulgence or a treat, a reward that um, can be put off you know, until the end of the day or till the weekend or maybe the whole way until retirement. Um, so our, our what, what we mostly are trying to teach people around sweetness is um, to prioritize it, to not see it as an indulgence, but as something that is really deeply fortifying for you, that there's feel-good things in life are innately healing. There's something that naturally comes into balance when you feel good and you're at peace. And so um, making these a regular part of your life, putting them in your schedule um, actually makes you better able to do the day-to-day -day stuff. And, um, and at the same time, we encourage people to start to find the sweetness in their mundane day-to-day -day, rather than, you know, besides scheduling in these sweetness for the sake of sweetness activities to learn to recognize what's already sweet about their life as it is. And then the last one is space. So if you can t talk a little bit about that aspect. Yeah, space is um, kind of the hardest one for people to grasp. And it kind of makes sense because even space as an idea is difficult to put a finger on. Um, but what we mean is a certain kind of uh, opening or expansiveness that occurs in you when you bring your presence to whatever you're engaged in and you um, you open up and it's something that happens naturally in meditation or spiritual practice it's something that happens naturally when we go out into nature and when we just engage with whatever we're currently engaged in without departing in our minds so so many of us um, have learned since childhood to kind of put our awareness almost entirely on our own mind. Uh, even when we're in the midst of some sort of interaction with a person or the world, a lot of times we recognize that we're sort of sitting back and watching our own mental commentary about what's happening. And your mind isn't all that you are. So space also means kind of going beyond your own mental dialogue and experiencing that you're a lot more than that. Okay, so in your book, in uh, specifically in Chapter 4, you talk about creating your world through your word. So I, I want you to expand on that for our listeners. Yeah, so, you know, when we talk to people about forging a new kind of life, a really kind of exceptional life, there's almost 
no reason to continue the conversation if a person doesn't have kind of a basic measure of integrity around their word in place. And when, when I encounter, for instance, somebody says, oh, yeah, I made a New Year's resolution to, you know, work out five days a week for the next three months. And, you know, that'll probably last me a week or something that right away, I think, OK, so you can't trust yourself. And we all have varying degrees of trust in different elements of our lives. Maybe we trust ourselves to pick our kid up from school, but we don't really trust ourselves, let's say, to follow through on, you know, not having dessert uh, or not overeating. And when we become more conscious of the power of our word and we start recognizing all the agreements we make and recognizing that when we break these agreements, we're undermining our self-trust. And when we keep them, we're bolstering our self-trust. Um, we start to kind of hold ourselves differently. And when you uh, restore self-trust by beginning to pay attention to the agreements you make with yourself and others, um, you start developing almost a momentum where you, you begin to recognize everything I say I'm going to do happens. And when you then embark on really ambitious goals and you say to yourself, you know what, I'm going to buy a new house, I'm going to change this or that about my life, I'm going to get in great shape, um, chances are you're going to do it because your word has become uh, this powerful tool of creation rather than this sort of wishy-washy thing that may or may not come to pass. And then the other chapter that I wanted you to kind of talk about is chapter eight. And in that chapter, you talk about defining your superpowers. Because I think a lot of, I think a certain amount of us and listeners struggle with figuring out what they're passionate about, what lights them up. You know, a lot, a lot of people are in careers and jobs that they hate. And they're still, they don't know what they want to do with their lives. It's true, and um, it's unfortunate that I encounter people who are, you know, in their 40s and 50s and later even, who feel like, I don't really know what happened. I used to be so passionate, I thought I was going to do this or that with my life, and somehow I ended up in this situation where I'm just sort of making ends meet or kind of going along with something that uh, is rather bland for me or uninspired. So I think it's absolutely possible for everyone to tap into uh, a sense of the gifts you have that you can bring to the world and the values that are meaningful to you and a life purpose. And rather than uh, waiting for your life purpose to kind of be handed down to you through like divine revelation or something, um, we have some processes to just get people to choose something and then try it on and see if it works and revise it if it doesn't. And I usually encourage people to start with a life purpose statement uh, that begins as simply as possible. So as, as I see it, um, making your life purpose some expression of service to your planet or your species is a good place to start. Um, it enables us to really see our value in the world. Um, and when we put ourselves in service to other people, we inevitably um, get some perspective on our own problems. So it might be something as simple as 
my life purpose is to enhance my every circumstance or my life purpose is to uplift people or something. And then when you go through your day with that in mind, um, it shifts the quality of every interaction. You might be, um, you know, standing in line having someone check out your groceries and you remember, wait a second, my life purpose is to enhance every situation or to bring healing or lightness to every person I encounter. And you realize this isn't who this person is, cashier. They're a person just like me who has their own life and they want to do something great with their life. And you find yourself smiling at them or engaging with them and you never know what kind of impact you might have. And that changes you as well. You're affecting the environment that you then will live in. So Peter, I want to kind of switch gears um, and talk about energy at this point because um, I I wrote a whole book on uh, reclaiming your energy and feeling normal again because so many patients come in and they have low energy, they have fatigue, they have exhaustion and I kind of want you to talk about energy from a a traditional Chinese medicine or oriental medicine standpoint. Yeah, so there's so much to say about it. And like you, I have so many patients who struggle with energy or they they claim that their energy is pretty good. And then when we get into how much caffeine do you consume, by the way, it turns out that they have great energy because they have six cups of coffee a day. And without that coffee, they would feel like crap, let's say. Um, well, uh, I have to give you the tiniest nutshell version. Um, the dis- Part of the discussion we give in the book is about a concept called Jing, which I think is the most valuable thing for people to understand. Um, And it it means something like essence in Chinese medicine. And we can think of it as sort of a a well or a a reservoir of reserve energy that's sort of equivalent to how our body relates to our adrenal glands and maybe our thyroid as well. Um, And in, in, in ancient Chinese thought, especially in Taoist thought, that reservoir of energy is something that's only meant to be tapped into during, you know, life or death situations. And meanwhile, there's something called acquired jing or acquired essence that's sort of like the the rain that falls into the bucket even while it remains at the top of the well every day. And that's the energy that we um, replenish each day through high quality food and that's eaten in a relaxed way and that's hopefully absorbed well and through deep replenishing sleep and through loving interactions with people and everything else that nourishes you. And the idea is that you can learn to live entirely on that acquired essence each day, that you can you can think of each day as presenting you with a certain allotment for that day. And you can learn to perceive when you've used up that daily allotment and you've crossed over into your reserve energy. It doesn't have the same kind of grounded, healthy feel to it. And a lot of people in our culture today feel like that's what defines for them a good workout as they go and they hit their wall and they're totally exhausted. And then they keep pushing and then they get a second wind. And I would say, oh, that's when you tap started tapping into your adrenals. That's when you started to engage your stress responses. That's when you started to deplete yourself. And... Um, you know, at best, I would say we have people who maybe as soon as they reach that point of exhaustion and before tapping into reserve energy, that's when they collapse into bed and go to sleep. But really, if you've been doing that for years or even going beyond that and using reserve energy every day, um, 
it would be wonderful to consider going to bed with some of your daily allotment of acquired energy left over. So you actually feel like you're investing that back into restoring yourself. And Peter, in the last few minutes of our interview here, um, can you go through some some uh, tips, some suggestions, some ideas for our listeners on how they can start creating more of a well life for themselves? Yeah, I think that um, having just some very foundational self-care practices in place is a wonderful place to start, like making sure that you're getting good quality sleep um, and that you're eating well and that you have uh, opportunities for loving interaction with your community and that you spend time in nature, some of these most basic uh, life practices, and then start to think about um, how much you're prioritizing the sweetness. You know, is the way you're living life something that you would regret if you suddenly found out you had a terminal diagnosis? Or do you feel like you really have, you know, you really are living your life in a way that reflects what's most important to you. And if not, it's time to really consider what really is important to you. And if you're, if what you're doing isn't important to you, whose values have you been living by? Maybe you in, inherited them from your society or your parents or teachers or something. Um, and then take a look at your life structures and see if they feel like they are organic and intelligent. They work for you. They're efficient. They get you where you want to go, but they still have some breathing room. And finally, do you have some sort of practice that uh, helps you cultivate a feeling of space where you have self-reflection you have the ability to uh, not react to what life delivers you, but actually respond calmly and with some buffer there um, and I think for everyone that means if uh, if only a few minutes some kind of meditative practice there's really nothing that restores you in the same way Peter how can our listeners find out more about you and where can they get a copy of your book uh, so they can do both of those at the website uh, we have up just for the book called um, thewelllifebook.com um, and then if they want to find out more about who we are and what we do um, our, our broader website is called thedragontree.com So for the listeners out there I'll make sure that I have those links in our podcast notes so that you can easily find uh, Peter and his book The Well Life Peter thank you so much for being my special guest today this has been an awesome interview it was my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Gary. All right, that wraps up this very special episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show with Dr. Peter Borton. And I want to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in today. And I'd like to invite you back next time for another episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, the Functional Medicine Doc. Have a great week, everyone. You've been listening to the Functional Medicine Radio Show with your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, known internationally as the Functional Medicine Doc. Dr. Carey is committed to helping patients find the root cause of their health problems and fixing the cause with natural treatments so they can feel normal again. Dr. Carey is the founder of Functional Medicine Ontario and is the author of the hit book, Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again. Please tell your friends about the Functional Medicine Radio Show, and we'll see you next week with more from Dr. Carey.